podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the darker side of the after show. I'm your host, Sean. I'm joined by Lukey from ITR Boxing. Lukey, you're back on the after show for the darker side of boxing. It's a very great pleasure to have you on this show. It was great having you on last year for season two. You're back for season three. And I know there were some ups and downs throughout the course of the last season. Let's just see how this season changes your mindset and the places it kind of takes you to as an individual as a human hearing all these different stories and you know as, as as a fan myself you know I'm really interested to hear your perspective on the different stories that we've got to tell and, and what you think about them but the matter at hand is all about Hector Macho Camacho. Lukey you've had chance to listen to the episode now what were your initial thoughts uh, about the episode the story and most importantly about Camacho himself? I think my first observation is going to be an annoying one for most listeners. I think you and Johnston have really gotten down your tag team way of doing the podcast. And it kind of reminds me of Styles P and Jadakiss when they used to do the back and forth rhyme flow. Like you really kind of hit your groove or maybe I've done enough of these where I'm now starting to listen in a technical element where I'm like, okay, that's good. You're weaving it back and forth. Um, my initial thought was I watched a Showtime documentary maybe a year or two ago, probably about two years ago now, and it was really, really depressing, and it took me back to bad decisions in my life, kind of, and it was kind of bringing back PTSD, like few movies have done that, and I will say, honestly, I kind of avoided this episode. I did it for the passion of the show, but my initial feeling when listening to this was this is a really heavy story. It's a really heavy story indeed. And myself, I knew a lot about Camacho going into this because I grew up watching him. I didn't really know too much about the circumstances surrounding his demise and the ultimate justice that has been served to those that committed the crime, which led to him dead at 50 years of age. But taking it back to his his origins and his beginnings, I didn't realise with Camacho how much he had gone through outside of the ring as a human being. And I think that put things into perspective for me about him as an individual. And we always use the phrase product of their environment. And Camacho is no different than a lot of the stories we've covered for the darker side of boxing, where he's come from a certain environment and he's taken that mentality with him into his boxing career and it was very flash he was very flamboyant he was a, a superstar in boxing you know he certainly paved the way for a lot of generational talents that would come after him and then decisions outside of the ring would ultimately lead to his eventual downfall and his untimely demise and the murder of Hector Macho Camacho and for me this episode is is I suppose all about justice being served for Camacho because when we do these shows, Lukey, we don't always get an open and shut case, essentially, in some of them, because there's mysteries surrounding 
deaths or there's there's perpetrators are never caught or you know there's, there's certain elements of some of these stories that we've covered before where you're not able to do anything other than theorize about what could potentially happen or may happen or could have happened whereas this story is an open and shut case in the sense that although it took him 10 years to finally find the perpetrators of this crime earlier in 2022 they did find the people that were responsible for the crime and justice was essentially served to those perpetrators so it's not a satisfying end in in some regards because the guy is dead and he was never able to then go on with his life but from our perspective the way we tell our stories and the way we like to kind of end it in a certain way this story was allowed us to to do that it allowed us to be able to provide you guys listening with a, a an outcome an end point to it and not an open-ended case two thoughts um when just listening to this is my, i once had like an art school teacher that said what is the concept of a gift and it was like supposed to be this profound thought but i just couldn't leave with thinking man this guy's a dick and i never want to be him because i always felt like a gift is like i appreciate you sean this is something that means a lot to me so let me give you a part of my essence but he was trying to reframe it into aren't you trying to impose your will upon it? And that's stupid. But I say that this preface, what is our concept of resolution? Because I think part of what makes this story hard for me is there is no resolution or at least the resolution I like. And the closest comparison I can think of in cinema, and you know, I like movie cinema music is Viggo Mortensen in a history of violence. Like I guess the, the resolution I would hope for a Hector Camacho is He's Vigo Mortensen in a diner who has all this violent tendencies from his past, but he's working a rather anonymous job filling into society and then breaks out with violence every now and then. And I guess the overarching theme of Camacho is I never got the resolution or the ending that really felt good. And and the the way his life ends and then the story of all of that unfolding, there's no real resolution. It's just kind of sad and tough to deal with it is there's no resolution from a from a perspective of being a fan though is there as well of camachos because you know you you like these fighters that provide us with the entertainment that they do to have a good resolution essentially a good ending and ultimately camacho should really still be with us now like he should be you know just have turned 60 years old going into his 61st first year on the planet and you know the guy is no longer with us and you know, we don't know what other things he could have brought to the table in terms of being involved in the sport in some capacity, even if it was as a pundit and bringing some entertainment value. I mean, when you think about it like that, there is a lot of what ifs if he was still here. And I know it's you can sit here and sing about this all you want when it comes down to what he could have done. The fact of the matter is we didn't get the resolution that we wanted as fans, but as people that are telling stories the justice was essentially served to those that committed the crimes on Hector Camacho and I think that was one of the biggest things that I took away from it was it was it's bittersweet I think bittersweet is the word I'm looking for it's bittersweet they were finally caught the people that committed the crimes but the fact is he's still not with us anymore so there's, there's you've not been able to see how the last 10 years have played out for Hector Macho Camacho and obviously the family around him that lost him Camacho Jr that lost his father and and you know really didn't want to have him taken off life support and really felt there might have been a chance that he could have come back from that i mean there's always that hope of course with within families when these types of dramatic things happen in life but 
it, it's just it, as a fan, yeah, I can I can relate to why you can understand there's no, no resolution to that. As a storyteller, for us, justice has been served and these people will hopefully never see the light of day again. And I'm not saying that Camacho was perfect because the story tells you that he wasn't a perfect human being and it, it does appear that he was involved in some heavy stuff at the time that he was murdered. But there's always that hope that things could have changed for him if he would have been given the opportunity to, to change. I'm not saying they would have been. He could have still been in the same position he was 10 years ago. But you always live in that little bit of what-if hope that things could have been different for Hector Macho Camacho. But his boxing career is something that we haven't touched on together, Lukey. So I am interested to sort of know the relatability factor about him from you growing up and watching Hector Macho Camacho and what your interpretation of his boxing career really was. I mean, it's a mixed bag. For me, he was the first person that did the elaborate ring walk that I can remember. I'd say Mike Tyson perfected the ring walk with the Tupac ambitions of a rider. I remember hearing that and being like, I had never before Tyson heard like a popular, cool sounding song echo through the arena that I knew and just wish that was like Tyson walking out was me wishing I was in the arena. Camacho was my first experience of, hey, I'm a six or seven year old kid. I'm not going to just be playing until this guy uh walks to the ring. I want to see him walk to the ring as much as I want to see him. And then I think that also you have to think kind of about like, what are his notable wins? Right. And I think that one of his notable wins kind of sits in infamy with most fans. And that's another thing that, and then as an adult, I, um, it's Chris lightning Lopez, a great coach from Oakland, a close friend of mine. He always, whenever we talk boxing goes greatest chin, Hector Camacho. So I always think of my friend uh, Lightning Lopez going, great chin, Hector Camacho, one of the best chins. So, I mean, I think I think for me, Camacho and Tapia, it's really bittersweet because they mean a lot to me. I never really valued them enough, kind of like Joe Calzaghi too. I didn't value them enough as them. And Calzaghi, I think, still has a chance to have that we appreciate, appreciate you as a fan tour. But man, did I wish Tapia and uh, Camacho really got a moment to be like okay you're a friggin legend we're gonna give you three years of just being legendary camacho legendary tapia thank you for what you've done and it kind of revisiting these fights it kind of hurts because this guy is truly one of the greats and i didn't appreciate it neil this is the problem isn't it you mentioned kawasaki there you mentioned him in particular i still don't think uk fight fans really do appreciate him for what he brought to the sport and i think people always leave a bit of a question mark over his resume and his career. And obviously he retired undefeated with 46 wins, but then people will sit there and go, yeah, but he only beat Mikael Kessler and he only beat Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones, who some might say were were getting past their primes. Although obviously Hopkins goes on to have a great win after losing to Calzaghe. Jones, obviously we know he was on a one-way path to just, ended up becoming a, a guy that was turning into a journeyman at this point, which was absolutely ridiculous. But I, I, going back to the point at hand I'm trying to make with Calzaghe is, you know, they make the comparisons. At least Calzaghe is here to be able to acknowledge and be regarded by the different boxing hall of fames because of what he's done in his boxing career. And obviously Camacho has not been able to get the same accolades and recognition. And, you know, when they do all the different conventions across the world, WBO, WBC, WBA, IBF conventions that they do, you know, 
the Camacho would be there, wouldn't he? You'd expect Camacho to be there for that weekend, mixing with with fellow peers of his generation and reminiscing on the times when they had certain fights or reminiscing about that generation's best boxers or even talking to guys that he would have loved to have fought but never got the opportunity to do so. So you do kind of feel a little bit robbed as a fan that, you know, he's not around to do that. But the one thing I wanted to focus on with his boxing career in particular is the general consensus about his boxing career is that he had that one particular fight with Edwin Rosario, which was the toughest fight of his career, hands down. And people say, a lot of experts, that is, say he was never, ever the same fighter after this, that he was never the boxer puncher anymore. He was he was very much lateral movement around the ring, wouldn't want to engage as much as what he used to engage. And did you, looking back on that now in hindsight, do you feel that is a, a justified comment from a lot of the boxing experts out there? I mean, there's always truth to it, but let's like go a step further. So we got Jose Luis Romero, Ramirez, great fighter. Then we got Freddie Roach. We got Edwin Rosario and Boza Edwards. That's a four-fight stretch of really respectable fighters. He beats Ray Mancini, split decision. He beats Vinny Paz, and then he, he suffers a loss. But really, like his two outlier losses after that are to Trinidad and Chavez. So I, I do agree that there's probably something there, but I also think he fought two of the best fighters of the era, two Hall of Famers. And I think that what probably happened was he started to doubt himself a little bit, right? It's but I always I'm always skeptical on these myths because like I, I get that power affects fighters and they're never the same guy, but his life was so crazy. I'm not sure it was just one fight. Like, I think it was an accumulation of, wow, I can be cracked. My life is crazy. And where is my focus? I think the the bigger takeaway, so I, I did the worst guest thing ever where I'm just talking all over the place is, I think that fight maybe didn't diminish his skills. It diminished his focus inside of the ring, where his interest started to go, maybe it's not as desirable to be as into this as doing other things. And I think that gave him more freedom to expand his interests, which I think for a, a fighter or a PhD candidate, as I'd like to say, you can't have much focus. You got to be a microscope. You got to be very insular. And I think that that fight gave him that wiggle room to expand his mind in a bad way. Well, it's well regarded. And we tell the story very much in different parts of his life of his addictions outside of the ring, his drug habits outside of the ring. And the one story which springs out to me in particular is the story of him going to the Mexican border and having a stash of cocaine in the back of the car and then macho being macho, doing macho time and getting out and basically calling out Chavez as a distraction. And because of his notoriety at that moment in time, you know, he was able to kind of get away with what was going on. I mean, this is obviously coming from his friend Rudy Gonzalez, who, who was there at the time and who witnessed all this. But it, it's it's comical in one sense, because you can picture Macho doing these sorts of things. And, and Macho Camacho in this social media era as we are now, as, as the way it is 10 years from his passing, is a whole lot different than it was when he was alive in 2012. And you think to yourself, 
the moments that he was starting to be involved in back then. You know, he obviously had his moment on Dancing with the Stars uh, in Puerto Rico. And then you could imagine he would end up being on more sort of reality television or being a part of, of, of more broadcast teams in the future. And, you know, I, I could imagine there was so much more for him. But the stories that stand out to me are the ones where he is literally high as a kite on, on drugs outside of the ring. And whilst they're actually comical to... To, to read about and, and imagine and envisage, they're also sad at the same time because then the sad part of it comes into play for me as a fight fan thinking that old aged comment about what could have been with Camacho if you taken the drugs outside of the ring. The same conversation, the same parallels as we have with Johnny Tapia when we talked about Johnny Tapia in the opener of season two. It was the same thing with him. You think about him not being on the drugs outside of the ring and what that could potentially have led to. And then you also then have to compare that, Lukey, to the fact that look at what they did in the ring while they were still addicted to a drug outside of it. And it makes the feat, for me, more impressive of what they did in the ring because I can't imagine someone who is doing this all the time outside of the ring, not training like they should be training, but still going on and beating pretty good level opponents, you know, world-class fighters. Okay, he lost, to, he loses to Chavez, he loses to Trinidad, of course, two of the best of all time. But you think about, like, where he was at in his life at them times and you think, genuinely, would he have been in with a shout of, of winning these two particular fights should he have not been so gone outside of the ring because it makes me feel like it would have certainly been a different potential scenario out there but a lot of what ifs buts and maybes I know again I'm theorizing on this whole thing but as a fan I can't help but do that because you see the skill level he had you see what he could do in the ring against fighters you see how he could you know give fighters such hell and I know he took a beating against Chavez but I just don't think that was the same guy that you were seeing at the back end of the 80s that was just this flamboyant on top of the world character that could do no wrong. So for me, I do genuinely feel like there was potential there to have been revered even more than what he is. But I'm not taking that away from what he actually achieved because I still think that's incredible given what his circumstances were outside of the ring. And this is why this story is hard for me, and I, I don't want to relate to my personal life, but growing up as a teenager, I did a lot of skateboarding. And obviously, I don't know if you know this, but I come from a single-parent household, and there's a lot of parallels into the normal elements for Camacho that I grew up around. Like a lot of the way my friends, we didn't know how to use our words that well, or if we did, we had to use drugs, or not that I ever did, but like alcohol were the vessel to open up to talk. There was never someone that said, okay, you use these to... And what was hard for me to listen to this was it felt like Camacho did the Camacho act to entertain, but it was also he was deeply sad and he didn't have the ability to communicate without the drugs. The drugs had been that vessel. And I think that what makes this story kind of unpleasurable for me is it's way too close to home is this is the path to addiction as you learn these habits and believe that these habits are the only way you can communicate. For me, I think that the sad truth is, is Camacho or Tapia are Camacho and Tapia. Let me use grammar, right? Are they the same guy if they didn't use drugs? Because I think that part of the reckless nature of their life led to the crazy, unpredictable style that made them great. And I almost would theorize without what they did in their life, they might not be that same guy that, you know, 
It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I, I think quite easily argued. What could they have been? I'm talking about the fact that they could have been something more, but in reality. Would they have been that way? It's it's hard because we're never going to know. Like it is a lot of theorization going on here. But I, I honestly think, like with with these two guys, I've always seen it as if you, if a fighter's living such a clean life, it certainly gives them more advantage over a fighter that isn't living a clean. But then we're never going to truly know that for sure because. Ultimately, we don't know which fights in particular, without being a part of that close circle, you're never really going to know which fights they were really high upon drugs going into the, the fight for and how little training they did going into certain fights as to what they were when they were going into the big fights, fully trained, fully prepared, clean as a whistle and ready to go. So unless you're part of that inner circle, you don't truly know that. And I think that that's kind of where the theorization comes from with us. It's like... It, does it make the style as wild and erratic? Does it make them the showman that they are because of what they were doing outside of the ring? Was it just their character? Was it just who they were as individuals? Did the drugs make them like that? It, it certainly provokes a lot of thoughts as a, a boxing fan as an, and as a human because I've never been in that position to truly know how that can affect you in certain ways. And, and I'm not a professional boxer, so I'll never truly know how that can affect you in, in that particular way. But... I can understand what you're saying about how it is relatable to circumstances for many people. Like you mentioned personal circumstances of your own. You know, it can certainly creep into anybody's life at any one time and and sneak up on them before they even know it. And I think when you can bring greatness off the back of that somehow, some way and some form, I think that's still something to really behold as them as an individual. I just see... Hector Camacho was a guy that was able to overcome so much although a lot of it was self-inflicted as we know I still feel like he overcame so much to be able to leave his mark on the legacy of the sport and regardless of how his demise happened Hector Camacho is still a guy that we always wanted to cover for one of our shows because he left a, a mark in the sport of boxing and it was a positive mark in the sport of boxing, and that's why he gets revered to so much. That's why people look at Camacho and say, legend. People look at Camacho and say, one of the best chins of all time. That, that's why they say it, because he's done so much in the sport. He's left his legacy there in the sport, regardless of how things played out for him in his personal life. I think that, for me, why he stands out is how many of these fighters micromanage their image to the point, like a Michael Jordan, we didn't hear anything bad because he was so precious. LeBron James, you, they, Camacho was so vulnerable. There's something real about it. And there's something to me, it's like, even though he's flawed, he has these addictions, at least I know who he is. And at least I know he's trying. And to see him have the highs and lows. And even probably arguably one of his biggest wins over Ray Leonard, it's in infamy. No one wanted to see him beat Ray. It was sad. And I think that, there's something so human about Camacho's story as opposed to many of these star athletes we cover who are sold to us as one thing and then we tear them down. Camacho, even in his prime, was extremely vulnerable and we were always looking at kind of um, the self-destruction but also the self-writing at the same time. So ultimately, this story ended with the fact that obviously he was murdered and his just the justice was served after 10 years and it as i alluded to and i talked about a little bit earlier on in the conversation 
it was a moment for us where we were happy to be able to deliver that as part of the story just because of the fact that prior to us doing the Camacho episode because it had always been in the pipeline for us on the darker side of boxing the murder of Hector Camacho is is one of the most shocking things outside of the ring because of who he was because of what he achieved in the sport and when something like that happens in the sport unfortunately it's always those that have been in the limelight so much so that uh, I'd spoken about in in such regard whether it's positive or negative but like for, for me personally what I actually enjoyed being able to do for the people listening to, to our show is that we're actually able to present you with a story which chron- chronologically tells you about a guy coming up from a troubled environment and being able to make it and do something with his life okay he you know he had them demons he had them struggles he was still able to to solidify himself as a boxing legend essentially but it was his fall from grace that was was difficult to stomach as a boxing fan and the fact that we were able then to present information about what had happened following that documentary which you referred to earlier that had been released i watched that documentary and at that point of the documentary being released did not caught the perpetrators so the fact that they'd now caught the perpetrators when we recorded this episode to me was was just brilliant because it was one it was nice to know that the people that had committed the crime had essentially been found uh, and obviously charged for the murder of Hector Camacho two it gave peace to his family finally because having that what if moment or having that don't know the not knowing part of something like that it must be horrendous for a family I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like for his family not knowing the people who had done it or knowing that the people that had done it were living their lives in some way shape or form so the fact that they were able to serve a bit of justice was was a nice kind of way for us personally to end the episode and I said it earlier it is bittersweet because it was Camacho and we could have had more macho time moments in this generation in this social media era that we're in but ultimately, it was it was kind of for me personally. It was nice to know that justice had actually been served, and and, and I was happy that justice had been served because there are many families out there that don't ever get that justice that is needed to be served, and for them to finally get it, the Camacho family to finally get it was uh, for us was uh, so like I say a bittersweet moment for for the episode. I think that the tough thing about death, untimely death through murder, is there's a lot of empty echoes. And what I mean by that is you walk by places where you know your loved one died. And typically the reasoning for why someone's killed, the justification and the person of who it was, it helps to a degree, but it it's still like really empty when you lose someone. And I mean, the resolution here is just sad. It's like the chaos that created Camacho is the, cra- the chaos that ended him. In many ways, he though he didn't literally live by the gun and die by the gun, he somewhat did. And I think that's the sad, the sad full circle nature of Camacho. So with that in mind, Lukey, I think it's about time to call a halt to this particular episode, the dark side of the after show, the justice being served for Hector Macho Camacho, a lot of bittersweet moments for both myself and Lukey and of course Johnston in this episode but we've overall really enjoyed being able to put the story together to present to you guys listening and we hope you have enjoyed the main episode and if you've enjoyed our thoughts feelings and opinions on the darker side of the after show then let us know 
on Twitter at darker underscore side underscore pod or the BTR Boxing Podcast Network Facebook page. You can find us there and you can find us on the YouTube channel and on Instagram and on TikTok. And obviously, Luke, without remiss for you, you can give your channel a big shout out because you're doing some brilliant work over there. So please let everybody know where to find all of your preview shows, your interviews, all of your premium content that you're doing at the moment. ITR Boxing on all platforms, and I have a sub-stack, Lukey Boxing, L-U-K-I-E Boxing. If you think I'm a cool guy, check it out. Well, that brings time to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Darker Side of the After Show, the story of Hector Camacho and how justice was finally served. Podcast Network.